Hey, 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 everybody, and we are back. So this time around, myself, Mishki Katkov, we have Joseph Kim, and we have Eric Kress. Uh, this time around, we have uh, three pretty interesting topics, and actually really interesting topics. So we're going to kick it off by talking about Apple's $500 million bet on arcade and the future of mobile gaming. We're going to talk about Zynga CEOs, uh, Frank Gibos, talking about the next big catalyst for mobile gaming. And we are going to talk about EA paying Ninja $1 million to stream Apex Legends. So um, let's kick it off. Um, who wants to be the first one? And actually, let's just kick it off like right away. Let's let's just add a little bit of humor, a little bit of a conversation back to it. Like last episode was great. Adam was phenomenal. You guys talked the talk. But I didn't, I didn't, you know, let's just, you know, what's, what's going on guys. <laughs> so I see, I see JK is like, JK, you're, you're doing Pilates these days. I see on your Instagram, you're, you're traveling through these user acquisition forums. They're taking you on these Napa Valley trains, and drinking wine. Like your Instagram is lit. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I know. One boondoggle <laughs> after another, huh? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's getting pampered. So what's going on in your life? <laughs> well, right now I'm on vacation and, um, you know, so I'm here in the San Francisco Bay Area at a friend's house. Uh, so if you hear Game of Thrones in the background, hopefully you're not hearing that too much. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, you know, was was at the Napa trip. Got a few uh, conferences coming up, Games Beat, and then, um, you know, very excited to be heading out to MAU. I have never been to MAU, so this will be the first time. And um, yeah, all sorts of like... What's an MAU? Monthly uh, Active Users? Uh, yeah, so it's it's called it's for mobile mobile apps un, un, unleashed. A horrible uh, and, acronym. I should change. And, that. Uh, <laughs> it's a uh, it's a conference in in Vegas, uh, mainly for for uh, mobile marketing. So it's yeah, crazy stuff gonna gonna be going down. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll report out to everyone when, once I get back. <laughs> I'm sure you can't. I mean, if, if it happens in Vegas, it has to stay there, right? <laughs> well, uh, amongst amongst our friends here, part of oh, Twitter, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I got to make the exceptions. So. And, and also, you have this YouTube show that is running up and it's it's growing. Uh, we were supposed to put it on the Constructor of Fun. So, what's what's going on with that new YouTube series? Uh, well, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, it's just kind of starting. You know, I, I wouldn't say it's uh, growing is 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 uh, is is kind of a nice way of saying I've, we've got like maybe a hundred <laughs> subscribers. But uh, this the the next one I'm super excited about, which mm-hmm. is the um, the video interview with with you, Mishka. Oh my god! <laughs> so you can so you can learn about <laughs> the origin story of Deconstructor of Fun. So I, I'm oh, definitely no. very excited. You, you, about caught, that. you caught me at a bad place. It was GDC. <laughs> I hadn't slept enough. And I was like, hey, can you can you know come on hang out with me and my wife? We, you know, we're gonna shoot a little video, drink some coffee, and <laughs> it was full on full on interview. So enough of that. But we'll we'll put them all on on Deconstructor of Fun so people can access and. And so, um, you know you had you have hundred subscribers, but that's hundred more than you had last week. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's actually right. <laughs> so what's up with Eric? I mean, I've been getting all these questions about Apex Legends, like under in in the DMs, people asking me numbers and stuff like that, and I'm like, that's Eric Quest question. So what's going on? What's going on with Eric? Well, Quest? There, there, some some reports came out from uh, Yipit, I think M Science today about how poorly it's performing on a revenue basis um, after the uh, first week of the, of, of the 
sorry, of the, what do you call it? The season, sorry, the season was launched. And so people are freaking out. The stock's actually down around five or six, six, seven percent or something like that. But mm-hmm. net, net, I think, I think they're going to be okay. I think they are falling into the second trap of what we had. I thought we said either that EA would screwed up or Respawn wouldn't be able to deliver enough content quick enough. And it looks like the latter is happening right now. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping they can pull it out. Um, it still did extremely well this last quarter. So it's just a question of maintaining revenue throughout the year. But uh, of, nonetheless, EA still has a great lineup, and I'm I'm excited about EA's prospects in the next two years. One one of the questions that I'm hearing is is I'm, I'm, one of the questions being asked for me is like when is Apex Legends coming to mobile, and what kind of impact will it have? It won't come. Well, I don't think it's going to come to mobile, mm. and I, I I don't even think that would be a very impactful either. Fun, fundamentally, I think I've said this the last time is that. This game seems to be keep competing directly against um, Overwatch and and Call of Duty, mm-hmm. and not really impacting or, or competing against um, Fortnite. That's not to say that many people from Fortnite came over and tried Apex, but I think the people that are going to stick with a- Apex are likely those that are coming from more of the core mm. um, core uh, platforms. But again, we are definitely doing this report, so. We'll learn more and more as we uh, actually start interviewing um, a panel of uh, consumers to see exactly what uh, what's driving them. You know, what is the acquisition, you know, uh, landscape for these type of games? It'll be really interesting to see how how consumers respond. Yeah, that that was also my 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 kind of a take on it, and and then with those. You know, they were asking, like, what is the time, how long it would take them to port Apex Legends to mobile? And I was like, I don't know, anything between three months and 12 months. It depends. But but the biggest question is, like, they don't have the manpower to do it internally, so they would have to do it externally. You know, hopefully with, uh, with one of those, like, Chinese top-notch studios with a couple of thousand people working on the port. It could, you know, it could work. So, um, and... But Apex... Apex is using uh, Frostbite, right? Um, I don't think so. I think they have their own proprietary engine. Um, I don't know. I'll have to look into that. Yeah, but a couple of thousand Chinese super coders, doesn't matter what engine they use. We'll just, we'll just knock it out. <laughs> just put it out. <laughs> Fucking iPhone 3GS. Got it. <laughs> so, like, uh, Speaking of Respawn, though, the Jedi Fallen Order trailer looked Pretty pretty good. I mean, I'm, I'm taking your advice on this, Eric, and I, I'm, I'm doing the pre-order. So, oh, oh. so did, did you see the Anthem trailer? Looked pretty dope too. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, when has the trailer not looked dope? <laughs> Is my cynicism rubbing off on you? No, 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 I you were, no I, You're generally a very positive guy, but then that was just hard. But, but it's, <laughs> I'm not I'm okay. So I don't mean in a bad way. That, that the game wouldn't be bad or anything. I'm just saying the trailers look amazing. I remember going to EA's uh, Redwood uh, HQ some couple of years ago, and they were showing some of those Anthem trailers. They were kind of like running nonstop. It, the game looked sick. I was like, what is this game? Like, I need to play it. And then it comes out, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that great, but... But that, that kind no, of- but the but the but the honest truth is that Anthem looks amazing. It just mm-hmm. had no content, yeah. right? It was just basically content. Unlike, unlike the Jedi, you know, the new game. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> my my personal opinion on the Jedi Fallen Order is that it's going to be absolutely amazing, like eight to ten hour experience. Mm-hmm. And if that's ha- if you're happy with that, you'll love it. If you're not, then then you'll hate it. Yeah, yeah. But 
I think it's going to be an action-packed, epic 12-hour, 8 to 12-hour adventure. So that, that I think, will be sufficient to sell quite a bit of units in uh, holiday. Exactly. And that's, that's, and that's the best case. And, and, you know, super happy for them. But all right, <laughs> let's, let's jump on to this. I just, want to, I just want to get people too excited about trailers. Come on. Like, I've, I've done trailers, too. It's, it's just – it's a trailer. <laughs> it's a, I yeah. mean, even the new Fast and Furious looks amazing in a trailer. Uh, so all power to them. Um, but but JK, let's talk about this this half a billion bet right. on Apple Arcade right. and the future I'll, of mobile I'll, game by mobile dev memo, powerful mobile dev memo. Yeah, we got a you know shout out to Eric Sufert over there at Mobile Dev Memo. But um, just just to briefly summarize the article, so last month Apple introduced a new cross platform game subscription subscription service called Apple Arcade. I'm sure many of you have heard about it. And it's rumored that Apple has earmarked somewhere around $500 million to finance exclusive titles for Apple Arcade, including Sega's Sonic Racing. So um, shout out to Sega for that. And uh, Eric Sufert argues that, uh, that this $500 million actually seems to be appropriately sized given the revenue potential, which uh, according to HSBC and Financial Times, should eclipse News Plus and TV Plus. And Eric further goes on to argue that since Phil Schiller took over the App Store, service revenue and per-user revenue has steadily increased. Um, in fact, from $58 per iPhone in 2017 to $79 in 2018, further that Schiller is largely responsible for three key areas. The first being subscriptions, the second being App Store editorial curation, and the third being App Store ads. And then um, Eric then goes on to speculate on why Apple wants to push Arcade so much and why they're investing so much money in Arcade. Number one, it makes sense um, from the push to subscriptions. And due to the increased importance of increasing services revenue, um, given that app downloads have peaked and even decreased in Q1 2019. And this is another point that Eric Sufert makes in um, the previous podcast that we did with, with Eric, uh, more focused around UA. Um, the second point being, if, um, if, if Apple structures its content par- partnerships around Arcade like they did with News Plus, then Apple in this scenario would then be able to keep 50% of revenue and not just 30%. And number three, as we've alluded to in previous podcasts, um, Apple has always not been a big fan of strong free-to-play monetization techniques. So um, Arcade would then be an attempt to rebalance the Apple ecosystem away from free-to-play and give small indies a chance to build games that actually embrace more radical forms of gameplay and are generally more player-friendly. So with respect to funding, the news is that Apple will fund anywhere from $1 to $3 million for titles that will be exclusive to Arcade. And based on other articles, it seems like it's not, uh, it, it would be more of a timed exclusive rather than a, you know, a permanent exclusive. And uh, likely many of these developers, um, uh, likely given, given this kind of deal that um, you know a lot of developers that kind of gave up on mobile and jumped to Steam will, will then c- kind of come on and and uh, join uh, join in arcade. Um, and from the consumer pers- perspective, um, the analyst expectation is that uh, this will be priced around ten dollars a month. Uh, Suford then concludes by suggesting 
um, Arcade likely has a pretty good chance to have a small, meaningful market and that the overall initiative should be positive for the industry if it works. Uh, my own take on this is that I'm, I'm kind of skeptical that this will take off. Um, we've already talked about this before in previous podcasts, but the gap between free and even one cent is pretty high. Um, a lot of mobile gamers seem pretty content with their free-to-play option, free options currently. And so I just don't see uh, you know, this, this having much of an impact. I do agree, however, that the initiative overall would be very beneficial to the overall mobile games ecosystem. In that uh, overall, we'll, we'd likely be um, be able to see games that we normally would not be able to see. So it, it's overall a good initiative. I just, from a market perspective, I just don't think that it's going to have much of an impact. And I, I'm just also concerned about this strategy of you know spending this. You know, it's it's a huge number in terms of 500 million, but you know, putting in small amounts of money for a bunch of small titles generally, in my opinion, won't drive the needle. But um, I, I want to repeat again that the sort of Roger McNamee principle that between the content and the consumer, everything in between is a, is a choice. And so if we think of that principle, I, I think the strategy would be a lot better if they just paid a shit ton of money for highly premium exclusive content like, like a Minecraft, for example. So I just think it's better for them to just make a few small big bets instead of a bunch of small minor ones. And so I'd, I'd rather, you know, I'd much rather see them spend a hundred million on five bets rather than, you know, let's say five hundred one million dollar bets. But that's my take. Uh, yeah. Michigan? So the, the way I, I mean, if I'd be on the other side of a table, let's say we're at Apple and we're having this discussion about this little half a billion investment into, you know, into games. So. The way I will be think, thinking about it is okay. Subscription service makes sense. Everybody watches Netflix. Everybody, everybody watches you know Showtime, HBO, whatnot. So in order to make that big, you have to have those marquee uh, products, marquee shows. Same thing with games. So you have to you have to have kind of those you know Fortnite's for Epic Store, the Counter Strikes, Dota 2s for Steam, and so forth. So now we're thinking about okay, so we have to do the same thing. Um, and um and and it's kind of like um <laughs> you know so so they, but but the way they're approaching it they're not approaching it based on what do players actually play they're approaching it like uh, like we're gonna bring in this marquee games that we think are amazing so we as curators of the app store think that you know Monument Valley is the biggest thing ever and it should be you know it it should be the biggest game and so forth so these these paid game should be the ones so you start investing and you start start thinking about that all right we're gonna we're gonna get all these amazing indie studios creating these amazing products and then we're gonna pay them and through that payment we're gonna get exclusivity which is you know exclusivity from what it's not like these indie developers these paid game developers are gonna go to play store and get any money from there because that's even worse for them than than, than ios so they, they get those exclusivities they tie them to these contracts i don't know how long the exclusivity is probably you know two three years um where they can't actually publish their games on other platforms like xbox game pass and so forth um and and now they're and and then you promise them you know dividends based on how well it performs and so forth. So from for their perspective, they're going uh, for those top shows, top marquee products, 
But the question is, like, are those really the marquee products? If they would, I mean, people would be buying them. They don't cost that much. So overall, I, I feel like there's there's this thing of, of inflated costs going on because they're talking about, you know, one to three million per developer. That that's how much it costs to make a game. But that's not how much it costs to make a premium game. The thing is, if you have a big wallet and now they're talking first 200 million, now it's 500 million for, for these games. Let's say Apple comes to me and I'm an indie developer and I'm making this hack and slash beautiful uh, game uh, or, or whatever adventure game, whatever they like at Apple. And they're like, okay, how much does it cost to make this game? I'll give you exclusivity. So I'll be like, okay, it costs me 500,000 to make this game. But since you're asking, it's going to be $2 million. This is how much it would cost. And, and, you know, what do they know about how much does it cost to make a game? I can inflate the cost. However, they're not a real publisher. They're just, you know, account managers who, are, who, who have giant pockets full of, full of cash. And, and everybody's throwing these numbers at them. And, they're, and I would assume that the numbers are highly inflated. So, so they're already buying games at a premium. So what it would lead into is that... Uh, they have to create now demand for all these games that they've bought. And they will do a heavy push on Apple's iOS store platform and, and the, you know, on, on Mac iOS, on, on Apple TV. And um, I, I think the churn is going to be pretty significant uh, from, from the Apple Arcade. Of course, they're going to give it initially for free and you're going to have the three free three months. You're going to have, you know, $1 for, for five months and so forth. And they're going to give it for free with, with new devices, this is what I assume. Uh, but players will be churning as 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 players are usually interested in the newest games, the biggest things. So whatever they're promoting in the app store, is you're going to play that? You're not that interesting in the back catalog because nobody's really interacting with it. It's like on Netflix, like you people are interested in the newest shows and friends. They're not interested in something that you know came back came out a while back and and you know it's hidden somewhere so i, I think that people are going to just cancel the subscriptions when when they play through the, um, the the one game that they came for and and that's the problem between a product versus a service so these games are not updated these games are just played through the, the playing time is going to be way shorter than even on console you know a couple of hours and you're done so that leads to to the, the the issue where they have to constantly get more and more games out of these developers. They're playing paying them premium to get those, and um, and I don't know. It's it just puts a huge pressure on this 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 new content. It's put it puts a pressure to promote that uh, arcade content in the app store, which will further decline this, the power of app store for other games because the featuring power will decline, and it has already declined with with the uh, with the updated app store. So I think there's chance that this would lead to more power to the Android Play Store, which is, you know, which is, you know, not not swayed by personal opinions, but rather algorithms. So. All right. My turn. Mm-hmm. Go, um, go. You, re- you referenced this HSBC article um, and they basically are predicting that we'll Apple will reap 370 million in 2020 and grow to 4.5 billion by 2024, assuming around a $13 per month subscription. Are we freaking in the twilight zone here? I mean, what is going on, right? I mean, this was this has already been done, right? Premium does not work on mobile. Like it it, it blows my mind that we're even considering this as an option, right? That that Apple's coming out with like in their infinite wisdom of creating a, a service for games that nobody wants, 
right? I mean, you have to understand that the market for premium games is like less than 1%. I think it's 0.6% by my calculations, right? 33% of that is Minecraft, right? So it's like, it, it's mice nuts. It's, there, there is no market there, right? And I, it, it, it's blowing my mind that this is even the topic of discussion. And so now they throw all this money around and they get these developers that are likely struggling and, and, and give them two or $3 million to create some, you know, you know, tchotchke game. I mean, it's, it's obscene, right? I, I, it just doesn't make any sense to me that this is even a thing, right? Because at the end of the day, it's about conversion. And, and right now, no one's converting at $1 or $2. Or you put the best, the biggest franchise on the planet, Mario game out there, and you get like a less than a 2% conversion on that, right? For, for like 5 to $10. I mean, it's lunacy to think that you're going to be able to do a subscription for $12, right? And then if you were to make this work, I agree with Joseph, right? Make some big bets on some amazing experiences, right? You know, you don't do a shotgun approach of like 300 games, you know, similar to like um, Sony's nonsensical, you know, subscription service, you know, PlayStation uh, Now, right? Where no one cares and everyone's churning out. And so what people, what's going to happen is people are going to try this thing. They're, they the people that actually want to cough up the money, the you know, the less than 1% of the population, they'll use it for a month and then they'll be gone. Yeah. Right. I think the only hope this thing of has of getting any traction. And if they were smart, I think this is what they would do is include the subscription with every purchase of a new iPhone. Right. So that you're basically opting in when you, when you open up your iPhone and hope to God that you like, make people buy it just because they don't think about it and then renew for a few months because they just, it's on auto <laughs> renew. Right. And then you may be able to drive some money on this thing, but otherwise it's going to be the epic fail. Right. I, I just have no, there's no situation in which I think this will be successful um, in my <laughs> really mind. Anyway, it's, it's a ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous thing. that uh, Anyway, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think so. All right. Um, I think on that note, we can move on to the next one. I think I think there's a potential. Like I like Apple. Let's let's be honest here. So <laughs> I just want to mellow it. See, see, the other part of it. Sorry. Now, now I'm now I'm going crazy. But like you're creating all this content right for Apple, right? And likely, if you're getting money from them, it's ex exclusive. But this none of this will work on Google, right? Because Google, you can't make premium games for Google. So you basically just basically. If you're building games for for premium, part of the reason that you don't do that ever, right, is because you know 75% of the market or whatever it is in North in North America and Europe, I don't know exactly at this point, but it's it's not addressable because <laughs> because they'll just hack the <laughs> thing and it'll be sideloaded onto every every Google device, you know. So anyway, I, I don't know. I feel like we're again in the twilight zone here with this. I mean, this was. This has already been done for like the last 10 years, you know? <laughs> but if it does work, that would be amazing because you can play all those paid games and they're really beautiful and really fun. And from a player's perspective, it's a nice thing because free-to-play games are what they are. And um, and yeah, let's move on to the next one. <laughs> so so the, the next article is that Zynga CEO, Frank Jabot, is saying that the next big catalyst for mobile gaming is actually 5G. 
And if you're, you know, paraphrasing the article, so he's basically speaking that if you are a mobile games fan, you can expect bigger, better, and badder. Uh, That's an interesting (laughs) conversation. Uh, Franchise is coming down the line thanks to 5G. And when you look at the history of games over the last years, anytime game developers were given an even bigger bandwidth, they innovated in a ways that didn't that they didn't expect. Jibo is saying. So the big thing with five G is the low latency, and Jibo is predicting that a future, uh, a future where where thanks to this potential, the stream content you can stream content quickly. The mobile gamers can expect higher fidelity games and easier access to products, given that they are. Excuse me. More efficient streaming um, means that players can can you know play the game right off the bat. Um, at GDC, we saw Google unveil Stadia. Um, so basically, their streaming service where they were streaming um, out of all the games they were streaming Assassin's Creed to uh, to a device, like not the most accessible game out there. And um, a number of independent publishers, like good old Rovio, has created. Um, also their own streaming services. Now, uh, this th- there's an argument that there's an impact on distribution through the access of higher fidelity games on different devices and ability to play instantly. Uh, but personally, I, I'm, I'm kind of having um, an issue seeing how this uh, really affects um mobile games that much i th- i feel like it's it's really affecting more console games because we're talking about distribution of high fidelity games and that's usually console games and distribution of those on different devices especially mobile devices that's that's more of a um that's more of an uh, i wouldn't say an attack but that's more of um it, it it hurts more the consoles that you have to purchase and put on your your you know home so um when and then the other thing that that i was kind of looking at the top charts of mobile and of course it's right now what's what's crossing what's going really well and we can see games like you know candy crush clash of clans Roblox, tomb blast matching dimension homes games game of thrones coin master most of these games are really old and they're not really competing on on great production values so so when we're talking about streaming these high content high fidelity games on 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 mobile I would assume that there would be some kind of trend where games with better graphics, higher fidelity are actually performing quite well and actually, you know, rising through the ranks. Like we do have Fortnite, but that's basically the only, the only sort of a, a cross-platform, uh, you know, higher fidelity game out there with higher production values. Everything else is, is pretty old. Like Clash of Clans is from 2012. Same thing with Candy Crush. So, I, I haven't seen this trend on mobile where these games with, with higher production values would be performing any better. Of course, we have the Marvels and Star Wars games, but but other than that, um, I, I kind of don't see that big of an effect coming from 5G. But then again, these are predictions for the future. And usually when we're talking about disruptors, it's, it's something that you can't predict. So... Based on the data that I have, um, I, I think, yes, accessibility is great. The, the synchronous gameplay is going to improve. You can get bigger games faster. You don't have to have Wi-Fi and distribution will will definitely uh, be positive. But whether that will disrupt mobile gaming, um, I think it's a question mark. I think it's going to more disrupt console gaming. What do you think, Eric? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of actually in the same boat as you, is that if you look at the top experiences or the 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 games that drive the most revenue, none of them 
would benefit whatsoever from 5G versus 4G or even versus 3G. You know, you take Candy Crush, Clash mm -hmm. of Clans. Um, so in essence, you know, you're basically, yeah, you're basically looking at the opportunity to bring, you know, premium content to the mobile devices, right, with the streaming service, et cetera. And as we've said many times, it's like that's not the best Op that's not the best experience for that type of content. And I and I think what people really misunderstand, I think, with games in general is that it's just not like TVs and movies, right, where you can put it on different distribution platforms and it works, right, whether you're distributing it through Blockbuster, Netflix, or TV, or Roku, or whatever. Like, it creates opportunities for you to consume content in different ways. The problem is with the interactive content is that interactive content is generally optimized against the platform that you are actually producing it for, right? And these take years and years of a development. So this 5G thing is kind of the same thing as, as Stadia and any type of streaming service is that it's going to take three to five years to create super compelling content that is optimized for that experience. You're not just going to be able to replicate or, or move one game to another for, to this new type of distribution method and then hope, you know, that, that it's going to be super compelling because it's optimized for something different. It's optimized for the console or optimized for the PC, et cetera. So, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, I think in the long term, absolutely, right? There's all kinds of positive things you can do with 5G with low latency and higher bandwidth, et cetera. Uh, but it's going to take a long time to roll out. And then once it's rolled out to an, ex to an acceptable level, then maybe the publishers start thinking about developing specific games for that type of connection. But that's not like that's probably three or four years from now. And then three or four years after that, then they'll come out with content that's really geared and optimized against a 5G connection mm -hmm. with a 5G device, you know. So we're it's just again, it's a lot of hype, but I don't see how functionally it's actually gonna um make the experience better on mobile in the in the in the medium term. Yeah, cool. From from my side, I I kind of I agree with both of you guys. I think that five G, in my opinion, is not going to have much of an impact. So, I believe Frank is wrong on this one. But you know, I I think his point, Frank's point, was that he thinks that given the new capability, people are just going to invent stuff. And and to some degree, I think what's giving what's giving some folks uh, hope about this is is Fortnite, right? Because uh, they, they, you know, you, you can see that Fortnite is the number one game on mobile, that it requires a low latency connection and it's, you know, sort of, um, and people hold up Fortnite all the time as the, you know, as proof that cross-platform works for mobile. But I believe Fortnite is more of a head fake in the sense that most of the people that are playing Fortnite, at least that I've seen are, are playing co-op, you know, on tablets over Wi-Fi. And so I just don't see, you know, um, for the for more of the mobile contacts where you know you're you're at work, you're at a restaurant, you're you know um, at the coffee shop, you know the the same old rules for mobile actually apply. Not only that, but speaking to to the input device, right? And so um, if you're saying that we're going to have high skill cap games that require you know, high skill on a mobile device uh, in a mobile context, and you've got a very crude input mechanism, which is your fingers, 
with low latency, I just I just think the kind of games like that are going to be very hard to to come up with. And so I'm just skeptical that you know more bandwidth, this lower latency is is going to have any impact. So again, kind of agree with you, and and uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and just just say that wow. I, I think Frank's just totally All right. on this one. <laughs> All right. The next article is uh, EA paid Ninja $1 million to stream Apex Legends. Um, I, I think this is really interesting. The article kind of basically just goes through the fact that um, for one day of play, he was given a million bucks, right? And according to people close to him, this is like one of his biggest paydays for one event. I think the previous one was about a $600,000 payday, which is no joke. Um, anyway, you know, Ninja obviously did not comment on the story. Um, they um they did say in the article that each of the streamers that were paid needed to have a disclosure on their feed that would tell them that it was sponsored content, which makes sense. And if you actually saw him doing that, he did. Now, what ended up happening was he not only played that first day, but he kept playing for the rest for the rest of the week or on and off for the rest of the week, which really helped kind of uh, bolster Apex Legends in terms of its downloads. So. It's clear that you know EA's decision to partner with these guys had a huge impact. Um, you know, Apex, you know, doubled con- Fortnite concurrent numbers. You know, and if you had asked anybody a few days prior to Apex releases, I don't think anybody would have thought that was possible. And after a month, you know, Apex remains one of the you know top top games, although it is starting to fall um, as of late. Uh, primarily related to the fact that they don't have a lot of content uh, as 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 uh, Fortnite has so and, and also the results are clearer that they had like five, 50 million downloads in a few weeks which took Fortnite over a few months um so i think streamers this is my take is that i think streamers are super valuable and they're going to be a viable marketing channel for years to come you know and for, the fact is they just have such a reach and, and and the exact audience that you want to um attract you know for these type of games and I don't think anybody can really de- deny the fact that they're effective. Um, now, I think the pendulum has swung to insane levels with Apex, right? I doubt new releases will have as much of an impact um, using the same methodology that EA did. Um, but I do think that if any marketer is going to have to look at uh, um, including some kind of paid streams as part of their overall uh, marketing mix going forward, Um Unfortunately, I didn't have a chance to really talk to marketing fo- folks outside of EA, um, but I know that they seem to be gung ho on continuing to support Apex with, uh, with 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 placement with streamers going forward. Likely, uh, you know, on big content releases when those come out, which I think they did do for the first season as well. Um, so we'll see. Well, I mean, we'll see how it how it evolves and what the next success story will be, um, but. I guess these guys are here to stay and my children watching these morons going on and on and on about stuff <laughs> like laser beam and ninja and, and all these dorks just talking about video games is going to continue for quite a while. Right. I'm not going to be able to um, stop them, <laughs> I guess. What do you think JK? Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with you. Influence are now a very big deal, especially amongst kids as, as you're saying with your, your own kids and we've we've already noted a couple times in previous podcasts that uh, that you know some companies like Epic are sort of betting on this, and um, folks from Epic have said 
in that influencers were more impactful than store game reviews or ratings in terms of influencing purchase. So I think that the just just kind of looking at uh, this industry in, in in terms of using influencers is is a marketing channel is that the biggest problem right now is really about attribution and what that means is basically the ability to determine whether an install or purchase of a game actually comes from a specific influencer post or video or not and so right now we can kind of do that if an influencer provides a link and epic has certainly done stuff like that before but it's it's not it's not going to be as measurable as i mean certainly with with ninja there's there's no doubt that that deal with him and paying a million dollars was probably super cheap and super impactful but just longer term in terms of the overall industry i i think until someone comes up with a good solution to the attribution problem that that's probably going to impact the level of scale that influence can can have as a marketing channel huh that's a, that's actually an interesting thought because you know back in the day we were spending you know ten fifteen million dollars on a you know even on a U.S. you know advertising spend TV and I always thought that was a complete waste of money right but if you can spend a million bucks and and get someone like Ninja with I don't know I can't I, I wish I knew how many followers he had but he has a, a gajillion followers right whatever I mean yeah. it seems like a no brainer to me you know and. Uh, yeah, and I, I think that he'll he'll continue, and guys like him will continue to get paid. But you know, smaller guys, and you know, there and there are ways of doing some form of attribution. Like for TV, it's actually it's not a perfect solution, but some good solutions exist, like web tracks and things like that. And you can do like incrementality tests and stuff like that. But especially for that that mid tier of influencer, it's it's going to be really really yeah. difficult to like get that. Yeah, part of this project we're working on, I'm working on with a guy named Stan Kwan, and and we're working on a project to like to try to figure if there is attribution in the sense that we'll we'll talk to those you know, the consumers to see if you know how they actually heard about this. You know, what was their how was their awareness or purchase intent? Well, in this case, download intent, I suppose, um, impacted by the different channels of of marketing, whether it be you know. TV print or, you know, or these influencers or YouTube or whatever, or just friends. So maybe we can get to the bottom of it a little bit, at least from that, that angle. Um, but it is, I mean, it's, it's fascinating, you know, cause I, I mean, I, I have, you know, a nine and 12 year old and these kids, all they do is watch YouTubers all day long. I mean, my daughter watches this woman play the Sims and she is a complete moron, right? She, she is not a smart person. She she speaks like she's like two years old, and it's like, and she could watch this thing for hours. It's just it's mind numbing, right? And um, and I and I've given Laser Beam some shout out before. I mean, I watch Laser Beam. I'm actually entertained, so I, I I'll give give a shout out to him. He's he's really good and funny and 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 entertaining. But man, some of this stuff is just insane. And maybe I'm just getting old. <laughs> Mishka? Uh, you know, I like influencers. This is, I mean, I, li- I like everything about it. We, we kind of approach this in a, I mean, most of the companies don't approach it in a very systematic way. Like when I see somebody dropping in 1 million to somebody just to stream the content, that means they're coming in late and they're paying too much. I think who's really, you know, killing the game when it comes to influencers is Supercell. The way they've been working with influencers for a long time, the way they bring influencers very early on 
even before the game goes into beta testing and soft launch, the influencers are already playing it, they're already giving feedback, they're already kind of getting into it, and they feel that they're part, they're an integral part of, of the game development uh, of, of, you know, sort of extended team. I think that's the way to approach it. Anything else is, is you know, it's it seems a little bit f- fakish. You know, it seems so paid. It seems like an ad. And what really works with influencers when they really own it and and they you know they promote something that they that they love. And and as with Ninja happened, he played the game because he wanted to play, and that was actually the uh, the organic thing that 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 helped the game to to grow. So that kind of thing. I mean, you have to work with influencers all the time and not just on ad hoc basis. Like, hey, we have this new game coming out. Here's one million bucks. Please stream it. And we'll talk to you later. So that's that's in short. That right, does well, it. That, that does it. And I have to go. It. It's so... early morning here. Uh, I have to go to work. So guys, good talk. But I'll talk to you next week. All right. And thanks everybody for listening. All right, bye guys. Uh, for tuning in. Tune in the next week. Um, leave a comment, send a DM, and tell tell us if you enjoyed more of this comedy. Not a comedy, but just more loosey-goosey or more serious. Just let us know. We won't listen to you, but just let us know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Bye now. Bye.